The state's highest court revives a case challenging limits on Medicaid coverage for abortions in Pennsylvania. And almost a year after a toxic train derailment near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border, one scientist is taking issue with cleanup efforts. Welcome to The Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast, where the only agenda is you. A good morning to you. It is Tuesday, January 30th, and this is being recorded at 9.16 a.m. I'm your host, Tim Lambert, as we take this daily trip around the region's top stories together. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court appears closer to recognizing for the first time that abortion is a right enshrined in the state constitution. My colleague Ben Wasserstein reports the decision comes amid legislative efforts to add protections for access to abortion. The ruling found Pennsylvania's Abortion Control Act to be presumptively unconstitutional. Lawmakers passed that act in 1982, which prohibited Medicaid from being used to pay for abortions. Justices ruled the state constitution's Equal Rights Amendment protects people's reproductive choices. Signe Espinoza is executive director of Planned Parenthood Pennsylvania Advocates. She says this is progress for abortion access in the state. This is a huge step in the right direction. We know that the rights of Pennsylvanians are due to all Pennsylvanians, not just those that are wealthy enough to afford them. We know that there are a lot of barriers to abortion care, and being able to uh, afford one and to have Medicaid cover has been a huge barrier. The Medicaid ban is still in place, and the case was sent back to Commonwealth Court for further proceedings. Environmental groups are celebrating what they're calling a record-breaking settlement with U.S. Steel. Julia Zenkovich with our friends WESA in Pittsburgh reports it stems from a lawsuit that was filed after a 2018 fire at the Clareton Coke Works in Allegheny County. The settlement includes nearly $20 million in pollution control upgrades at the Coke facility. U.S. Steel will also pay $5 million to affected communities, which advocates say is a historically large payout. Advocates said settling the case avoids protracted litigation and allows communities to recoup more benefits. But some, like Glassport resident David Meckel, say U.S. Steel should do more to curb air pollution. This is like if you were speeding in a school zone 100 miles an hour and they fined you one penny. Would that stop you from speeding? Nope. It's not going to stop them from polluting either because we don't find them enough. It's not getting their attention. Now, U.S. Steel says the company strives to comply with all environmental regulations. A new website will help Pennsylvanians connect to health care and social services. Sydney Roach from our partner WPSU and State College explains. PA Navigate is a collaborative effort between state agencies, counties, local nonprofits, community organizations, health care and social services. The online tool is meant to be a streamlined location to find resources and referrals. Pennsylvania Department of Human Services Secretary Dr. Val Arkush says when she was a physician, she saw patients who needed more than prescriptions to be healthy. They needed access to fresh, healthy food for themselves and their families. They needed a safe and secure home, comprehensive behavioral health care, transportation to get to work. With PA Navigate, healthcare providers and social service organizations can refer a person to services and track those referrals. People can also look up resources themselves. I anticipate that five years from now, we'll all look back and say, how did we ever survive without PA Navigate? Arkush notes this is the first closed-loop referral system in Pennsylvania. 
And Pittsburgh Steelers president Art Rooney II is getting a little tired of having his club watch the Super Bowl on television. With the franchise riding a seven-year drought since its most recent postseason victory, Rooney's getting a little antsy. He says the team is growing impatient with the playoff failures in recent years, and there's a sense of urgency for the squad to take the next step. Now, Pittsburgh finished 10-7 and this past year before falling to Buffalo in the opening round of the playoffs. Rooney says he still believes in longtime coach Mike Tomlin, but adds the club needs better quarterback play from Kenny Pickett next year. Time for a couple of stories I came across after checking about a dozen news sites across central Pennsylvania this morning. A federal judge has refused to dismiss a lawsuit brought by seven Lancaster County prison inmates who claim four district judges set cash bail at levels they can't afford, leading to unconstitutional pretrial incarceration. The plaintiffs claim they were discriminated against because other wealthier people charged with similar crimes were given bail they could afford, meaning they were released while awaiting trial. Now, earlier this month, U.S. District Judge John Gallagher denied the judge's request to dismiss the suit in a one-sentence order. A trial date, however, has not yet been set. The American Civil Liberties Union of Pennsylvania filed the suit back in April 2022. It was based on data the organization said tended to show district judges in Lancaster County routinely set excessively high bail. And Pennsylvania's junior U.S. senator is scheduled to be the keynote speaker at an event in Idaho in the coming weeks. Democrat John Fetterman will take part in the Idaho Democratic Party's gala in Boise on March 9th. He says his decision reflects his belief that Democrats should not ignore Republican areas and voters. Former President Donald Trump won Idaho easily in 2020. Now, this week, we are taking some time to take a bit of a deeper dive into a story that we have followed for the better part of the last year. Saturday marks the one-year anniversary of the toxic train derailment near the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. The Environmental Protection Agency has been overseeing cleanup efforts at the scene where the Norfolk Southern train crashed. But Reed Frazier, with our partner, the Allegheny Front, based in Pittsburgh, reports one scientist is criticizing the agency's work in the community of East Palestine, Ohio. Andrew Welton is a professor of civil, environmental, and ecological engineering at Purdue University. He came to East Palestine to sample drinking water a few weeks after the derailment. He was worried people were allowed back into town soon after the controlled burning of vinyl chloride ended. And he found statements from the EPA and other agencies were downplaying potential hazards. For example, the creeks were heavily contaminated two miles downstream. And government statements were that actually the contamination was contained to the derailment site. His concerns grew when he learned about how the EPA was monitoring air. The agency was relying on a piece of equipment called a photoionization detector. These handheld devices give a snapshot of chemical concentrations in the air. But they're not very precise. The EPA later admitted they were not sensitive enough to detect unhealthy levels of butyl acrylate, one of the chemicals in the spill. And it is with that faulty information that the evacuation order was lifted. Residents and business owners were encouraged to go back into their contaminated buildings. Welton says the agency should have made sure chemical levels were below health thresholds before allowing people back in. In the weeks that followed, residents reported symptoms like headache, dizziness, nosebleeds, and gastrointestinal problems. Even workers from the CDC got sick in East Palestine. It just underscores how unprepared 
the agencies were in executing the public health and safety response that they injured their own sister agency workers. The EPA says it used the photoionization detectors to detect chemical concentrations high enough to cause acute, short-term, or life-threatening illnesses. Mark Derno is a response coordinator for the agency in East Palestine. To determine whether or not emergency levels uh, were present, um, acute, uh, acute levels were present, yes, we used these to make that determination. With butyl acrylate, some health impacts begin at 20 parts per billion. But because the chemical is detectable by odor at much lower concentrations, Derno says a simple smell test was used to tell if a building was safe for return. The odors would have been so strong um, at 20 parts per billion, those, uh, those, you wouldn't be able to uh, you know, be in those buildings for more than a few minutes. Deborah Shore, the EPA's regional administrator, said the agency lifted the evacuation order because of the data coming in from what she calls an extensive and sophisticated air monitoring network the EPA had set up in the town. We don't have data that would show that exposure to the air in town is of, at any levels of chemical that would be of health concerns. What about all those people who are having symptoms weeks and months after the derailment? Shore says it's possible that they were more sensitive to chemicals than others or that their symptoms were the result of stress and trauma. People can have uh, sensitivities to various types of trauma that express themselves physically and may be layered over past histories of trauma and other incidents that this uh, derailment triggered. Welton has consulted on other disasters, like a West Virginia chemical spill in 2014, in addition to wildfires and fuel spills. He says there's often a fog of war that local and even federal agencies fall under during a crisis. But in many cases, he says, they ask for outside help from academics and other experts. That didn't happen here, he says. All the agencies basically set up a bubble around themselves and kept Norfolk Southern and their contractors inside the bubble. EPA and state officials defend their response. Deborah Short says EPA followed the science and the law, and she points out no one died. For the Allegheny Front, I'm Reed Frazier. And we'll be going back to East Palestine throughout the week on The Morning Agenda. Now, The Morning Agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts on WITF's YouTube channel and on the NPR One app. And be sure to check out our Spotify playlist each month. This month is winding down, and we call it the Morning Agenda Song of the Day, January 2024 playlist. That's how you can find it. That's how you can give it a like. That's how you can check out my songs of the day for the entire month, which includes today's. It's Mazzy Stars Fade Into You. And that's going to do it for The Morning Agenda. It's a daily news podcast from WITF, where the only agenda is you. I'm your host, Tim Lambert. Thank you so much for listening today. Be well. Enjoy the rest of this day. And you know what? We're going to talk again tomorrow.